Hey folks, James here. Before we get into the episode proper, there's a couple production notes I want to make sure get addressed. First, you probably noticed that we are no longer Joystick Journeys. It turns out a gentleman has been using the singular name Joystick Journey for a blog, Instagram, and upcoming memoir since 2016. He was there first, so it's on us to make the change. Chrissy came up with the new name, Gaming Street Irregulars, within minutes of her finding out of this minor spot we were in, and it really does encapsulate better the overall scope of the podcast. This episode was recorded before that somewhat embarrassing discovery, though, so it will be the last podcast of the pre-irregular era. Secondly, since we didn't mention it in the episode, last Saturday, a local hero passed away. John Huber, a.k.a. Brody Lee, formerly a.k.a. Luke Harper, passed on at the age of 41 due to a non-COVID lung issue. Speaking strictly for myself, I always took a measure of pride in Brody being a Rochester native, reaching that level of success in the, frankly, mercenary world of professional wrestling. And though 2020 was a rotten year, he made the most of it when he joined AEW in March and had what many consider a career best year. More importantly, every indication from those in the business and those who knew him say John was the most loving family man you can imagine. This episode is dedicated to his memory. R.I.P. to the Exalted One. We are one. Okay, enough of the serious stuff. Let's get on with this week's opening gag. Hey, Uncle James, can I borrow the Switch to play Minecraft? In just a moment, Mackenzie. I just need to solve this one puzzle on Mist. Oh, I remember how that one works. You do? Yeah. On the east side of the lighthouse, you need to find the second, third, and sixth levers in the up position. That'll open the first box in the north shoreline. The combination lockers on the west lighthouse is 24, 17, and 30. That gets you the key to the second box. And the third box is opened by combining the stone puzzle pieces in the first two boxes along with the other four you find along the shore. And that gets me the next pages? No, that opens the main building door. Oh. Um. Here, take the switch. You haven't even solved your game yet. Don't worry about it. Go enjoy Minecraft. I have some life decisions I need to re-examine. to Joystick Journeys. My name is James Irish, joined as always by the illustrious Chrissy Harding. Hi everyone! And today we have a very special guest in the, the fictional booth with us. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome esteemed streamer, two-time Flower City Comic Con cosplay ambassador, and a reasonably quasi-close acquaintance of mine. I hope I'm not pushing it too far there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, SM Zelda Rules. Hello! Yay! Zelda for short. Which is funny because we were talking about Legend of Zelda last time, mm-hmm. and now we're going to be talking to, talking to a Zelda in a game that has nothing to do with Zelda. <laughs> but we do need to bring her back if, when we continue talking about Zelda. Absolutely, absolutely, especially when we get to Ocarina of Time, since we can use one of her cosplay images to promote the episode. Oh, yay! 
I love CODs players. They're so much fun. <laughs> yeah, you're we're gonna you're gonna be running into a bunch of them on this podcast as we go down the line. I wanted to make sure we got in Zelda first because of her ties with our parent company, Flower City Comic Con. <laughs> since, since we loved having her for the two years she joined us and we're hoping to have her back when time and circumstances are correct. That would be great. And I and I only say that in an unofficial capacity because uh, I have all the power of a flea within the company organization. <laughs> no, but you do have Chris's ear. That's more yeah. powerful than you think. Yeah, I just wish I had Chris's memory. <laughs> no, you don't. Or no. rather, I wish Chris had his memory. That's more Sorry, accurate. Chris, I love you, but you're... You're you're even more you're as scatterbrained as I can be. I, I I say that from an it takes one to know one perspective. Which is why thank God that he has Andy as his administrative assistant. Uh, Andy is tremendously organized and sharp as a tack. He, he's he's a great great partner for Chris, and we love having him as part of the team too. Yeah. In fact, Andy, one of these days we're going to have to get you on here too if we can think of a. If you can think of a topic you'd like to do. Andy, Andy's just a wealth of information. He'd be good for if when we eventually talk about music and video games, because he's, oh, he's a music Oh, absolutely. Freaking love Andy. So, all right, but we're getting off topic. Let me put his hash on my little board here. Especially, yep. <laughs> Especially since this is a game where Music is almost a secondary concern to atmosphere, a, a slow, relaxed pace, almost as slow as my reading that line, <laughs> and, and generally taking your time. Today we are talking about the seminal 1993 CD-ROM game, Mist. Robin and Rand, with funding from, of all companies, Japanese com video game developer Sunsoft, came, came up with a, a vi visually focused puzzle-solving game with a narrative told mostly through atmosphere, setting, and placement of, of what's in the image at what certain time. M dubbed Mist and... Published by Broderbund, first on Macintosh and then later on PC the following year, it was one of the most successful CD-ROM games of all time, drawing direct comparisons to other, other games using multimedia in that format in, in its early days, like The Seventh Guest and Day of the Tentacle, and it but it became probably the seminal moment for that 
format in its early years, selling more than 6 million copies, making it the best-selling PC game of all time, until about a decade later, The Sims came along. Mm-hmm. And as someone who came primarily growing up in in arcades with twitchy games like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and Robotron 2084, Myst is about the as complete a 180 from that experience as you can get. Yes, yes it was. And it's interesting because part of the name of Miss actually came from a Jewel Burns novel called The Mystery The Mysterious Island. Yep. So that was really okay. to me as as someone who loves to read and is a book fan, that's actually one of my few favorite um I love Jewel Burns, but that's like up there with um Twenty Thousand League Under Sea. It's one of my favorite of his books. Um and it actually is kind of appropriate that they took the name from that because that whole book is based on a mysterious island. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So Zelda, tell us about your first experience with the game. Um, I was probably like five, I think. Um, my dad really liked Max, so I grew up with Max, actually. We got missed really early, um, like you said, probably before it even came out on PC. And... Um, he wanted my brother to play it because he wasn't too interested in games. And um, so I would watch my brother try to get through it. And he didn't even really know how to get off the island, like find the uh, ages. I think he ended up getting to a couple of them, but he never beat it. So I just remember how memorable it was. Like it was so, it was kind of freaky, especially like you said, it didn't really have much music and it was, um, all you know first person and everything and it wasn't until like six years ago when I decided to replay it and I realized there actually is like a whole family drama story involved and that there was more games I was like wow there's five of them in an online game that's really bizarre and then I saw that there was three novels so I read I have only read the first one I have all of them but I have only read the first one and it it was actually a prequel to the first for, to, to Mist. so it was interesting learning more lore about about the world building and everything so okay yeah and and Chrissy am I correct in understanding that you actually haven't played the game before yet I actually haven't it is actually on my list of games to play um mostly because um, and it's, we were actually taught, um, I was actually talking about with another friend of mine and we were, and it is on my list. I actually have all six games bought for steam. It's just, unfortunately my original gaming computer bit the dust. Um, I actually just bought a new one to play on that one. Um, cause this one that I'm actually using now is my mom's and it's not exactly meant to play video games on, but this, the history to myth missed um i actually got into the lore of it before you know once i learned it once i started having it on my radar to play i'm that person that loves to read the lore of a video game and it was just very it was fascinating to me because it the world building that goes into it is almost on the same level as tolkien like to the point that they created their own language for this culture and like just I mean, and, and seeing the graphics and stuff, like when I said, when it came out in 1993, my house actually really didn't have a computer until, um, like an actual good computer until like 1998. 
And the only reason why that was was because my father realized, oh, wait, you have to do college applications, and it's probably a good idea to have a decent computer for you to type on. So he went out and got himself, got us an HP. Before that, we had a Tandy. Um, but, and my gaming was mostly to consoles. I did not understand, you know, we didn't do computer gaming until much, much later on in my life. Um, but everything that I've heard of it and just everything I've read about it just sounds like it's an amazing, like I'm looking forward to finally being able to play it once I get this new computer up and running. So I'm excited because like I love learning. I'm that person that you could tell me the ending to something and I'll still want to see how it gets there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's a good thing because this podcast will contain spoilers. <laughs> this is spoilers for a nearly thirty-year-old game that is readily available in a majority of, in a wide variety of formats, both computer, console, and mobile. You have no excuses to not play this game now if you're interested in playing this game, other than potentially time and bro- computers breaking. Yeah, as I nod in Chrissy's direction. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but my first experience with the game was actually similar to Zelda's, although uh, displaced by about a decade of uh, age, given that she's a, a good, given that I'm in my 40s and she's, well, let's just say considerably younger and leave it at that, never <laughs> reveal age. But I remember my dad was big into computers and when we finally got one and got a cd-rom he was looking at all manner of games and while i was drawn to the chuck jones-esque visuals and humorous voice acting of day of the tentacle he wound up get initially going to the more cerebral <laughs> myth and he spent hours and hours and hours with that game and when he finally finished it he declared to himself, okay, I'm done. I never want to see this thing again. <laughs> and that would be the last I would really much think of it for a while until I come back into, into Zelda's own orbit and I and I see and I and we're we're talking about potential fo- podcast topics. She brings up Mist and I remember, oh yeah, that's that's out on the Switch now too. That that'll make it easy for me to grab and play. And I played it, and I realized under a time crunch, I kind of have to do this with a guide, or else I'm never <laughs> going to get this done. It helps that I did see my dad, watch my dad actually beat the game, the what the, all those decades ago. So I remember how it ended. So I was like, okay, this is going to be just me picking up as much of the lore and the and the aesthetics of the game as I can so I can be a reasonably decent host for this episode. <laughs> I, and mercifully, M- Mists is, while it is a very inscrutable game, it's also a very friendly game in that there's no death. You don't die. <laughs> you, 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 can go, you can fix any mistakes you might make barring one at the very end yeah the endings are yeah kind of harsh yeah but of course we don't want to start a story at the ending let's start at the beginning and that and it begins with uh atris who is the main non-player character in the entire series 
we only see glimpses of him in this game proper, both at the beginning and we meet him at the very end. But he has uh, perfected a craft called the art, which allows him and other members of his uh, of his uh, bloodline, the Denny, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, mm-hmm. yeah, allows them to create like portals that, yeah. to other worlds known as ages by writing a descriptive linking book. The the, the token comparison you gave, Chrissy, is really apt, and I would actually take it one step further, say that it's like 60% token, 40% C.S. Lewis, Mm -hmm. because there is a lot of world building, but there's also a lot of metaphor and the whole traveling between books that's sort of a, a whimsical side to it, but with a dark undercurrent especially when you get into the Island of Mist, which you reach via the Mist, a lost cop, a presumed lost copy of the Mist book, mm-hmm. and wind up on the island, you eventually will encounter Atris's library. And apart from two notable books, one red and one blue, and a few on a shelf, the majority of the books you find are burned and unreadable. Hint, which is your first big hint that something went wrong here. Yeah. I, I don't want to dominate the conversation, obviously. So no, uh, no. And then, and then this is, and it's actually the first point where you start to have a choice of who do you believe? Do you believe the red book? Do you believe the blue book? Or don't you believe, or do you not believe either one of them? And it's kind of like the red pill and blue pill from Matrix. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those, you know, it's it's very interesting. And it really kind of leaves it up to, this is honestly probably one of the first examples of true player's choice affecting the game, in a sense. Because your choices and who you pick you know, and who you help, you know, red, blue, or none, really give you what ending, um, gives you that ending of good ending, bad ending, or mediocre ending. I think this is honestly the first time we could say good ending or bad ending with this game. Pretty close to it, I think. At least as far as a meaningful this is an ending reward that is actually worth attaining mm-hmm. and it's worth going back and experiencing the different variations of the ending. Although there is definitely a good ending, yes. but and there is a <laughs> mediocre ending, but there are also not two one, bad, but two bad endings. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You, you, you and have... they are tied and they are definitely tied to those red and blue books and Atris's sons, Cirrus and Akinar. Mm-hmm. Or I hope, and you know, I have to be honest. Uh, the game hinges a lot on you having to uh, determine which brother you should trust, and based on their behavior, I wonder how Zelda were you like me when when your first impressions were to trust the seemingly sane and rational Cirrus as opposed to the positively loopy Akinar. <laughs> I I didn't trust either of them. <laughs> mm. 
They're both crazy looking. I mean, I also remember them freaking me out a lot as a kid. So I was like, this this can't be right. So when I obviously followed a guide to get through the game as an adult. And um, I, I knew that neither of them were to be trusted anyways. But so. Yeah, but could you imagine being before there were guides like you had to really trust your instincts on this? Yeah. Because, like, yeah, you didn't really know, really, in the beginning that there was a a choice to not do either of them. Yeah. Until you didn't really know that until the end. Yeah. And, I mean, their story themselves, like, it's almost kind of like following up on Christmas. Man, I thought I had family drama. (laughs) Yeah. reading (laughs) the story about these two brothers, I'm like, okay. My family hasn't gone down that road yet. <laughs> it like, just gets worse with point. every game. <laughs> yeah, and it's like every game. Like from that's what I heard. Like every game. Like as you play more and more in the series, you really kind of sit there and be like, "Damn, my family's not quite as messed up now." Like, <laughs> these guys, these guys got problems. Calling Doctor Phil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like locking each other out of books over years and years and years and like just like trapping each other in in their own worlds and stuff it's kind of a weird just, metaphor yeah and just and like water well yeah what they do to their parents is yeah freaking terrible too and especially their poor mother yeah oh i know Catching. and there's and they also engage in wholesale slaughter I mean, of the two of them, Akinar seems positively brutal and warlike. You look at what he did in the, uh, and what what he was getting up to, and I believe it was the age of uh, where is it? Uh, over here somewhere. Ah, the Channelwood age. Oh, is that the torture room one? That that's the one where he's got his his face being projected and him speaking the native language. There. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. And there. And, you know, it, it basically comes off like he's trying to present himself as a god to these people. But when mm-hmm. we get there, it's completely devoid of life. Mm-hmm. There are signs of past life and, indeed, even signs of a struggle in uh, Cirrus's room. Yeah. But, you know, these... But but Aikner just strikes me as... or I'm, I'm going to be... You know, if... If we turned me mispronouncing this guy's name into a drinking game, say goodbye to your liver. <laughs> but Akinar is definitely brutal and destructive, but Cirrus is not without his uh, vices either. You, you you look through his rooms over the course of the game, and you definitely see he has a taste for opulence and, uh, and wealth, and it is indeed the more explicitly greedy of the two of them and if you search a little deeper he's got some other vices mm-hmm. but so so we both did this with a guide so Zelda so I have to so we're gonna have to uh imagine for ourselves <laughs> what it would be like having done it without one for a second what do you think would have given you the most trouble um i actually tried doing channel wood without a guide 
and it was really bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially the whole, like, you know, flipping the switches for the waterways to go. Like, that confused the crap out of me. And I was like, you know what? I, I hope I can just reset this. Leave and come back and reset this and follow a guide. Because I messed, like, it all up. Oh. Okay, for me, what probably would have given me the most fits would have been the Maze Runner. The, the That underground maze in, I believe it is the... Uh, the, the Stone Ship Age? No, no, I don't think that's right. One of those. The the one that's most the most audio focused of the ages. Oh yeah. I think that's that's Stone Ship, isn't it? Okay. But, I think so. but yeah, yeah. I, all I can think of is after navigating that ridiculous what underground that? railway maze once, and if I realized Oh crud! I have to go get one of the pages, and then I have to go through this again manually. <laughs> yep, and then go back yeah, time. Get the other one. I I yeah. probably would have just said I'm done, put the game down, because I would have just lacked the patience. <laughs> so fortunately, having had a guide, I knew grab a page before you start this, and. <clears throat> Yeah. And I did. And I was I will say that as I was starting to slowly get figure out the rhythm of the game, there were a couple instances where I was like, Oh hey, wait a minute. That's what this is referring to and was able to Oh it was pick out what was going it was, on um, like uh when I got the con- like when I got the constellations and matched them up to the symbols, I was like, Hey, wait a minute, I've seen these before. <laughs> yeah. But I forgot about the maze in this. It, that's in the Selenitic Age. Actually. Okay, yeah. I just looked it up. Yeah, all the I remember the audio it's, stuff. I it's forgot all, about the it's, maze. I. Go ahead, Chrissy. Yeah. Chrissy, is that your dog in here? Did we just lose Chrissy? I don't know. No, it sounds here. like we did. I know it, it was. Oh. I don't know. Okay. This is up with my with my audio. So sorry. Um, no, what I was gonna say okay. is, it, for some with some games, the I think the breaking point for a lot of them is when they start when they start stop respecting a player's times, like to make you go through like if it's an area where you get feedback where it's like nobody likes this part. And you make us go back through it again and again and again. <laughs> like, that's one, like, I like games that respect our time, like, respect a player's time. Like, it's like, all right, we know you're going to be putting in 30 plus hours. We kind of don't want to have two hours of that being you getting ready to throw the controller, the mouse, the computer out the window. So, um, I wonder and admittedly, if they have- the PC version. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Admittedly, the PC version actually did have a function that I just learned about where you could hit a lightning bolt and zoom between certain spots. So so if you'd already, the, they had to be ones you've already been to. Mm-hmm. Oh. So that was at least a, a nice little nod. 
I did not find that in the Switch version, though. Oh. Well, yeah, I remember, Steam, so, but I don't yeah. remember it. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember it was, the same. Is the Switch version is a remake, so they might have taken it out, which if they right. that's kind of bullshit. But at the same time, the Switch version is also free roaming, whereas the original was just click, move a space, click, move a yeah. space, click, yeah. move a space. A lot slower paced. So, so I think that probably uh, might have that possibly would have had something to do with it. Either that, or I'm just missed it entirely because I was too focused on no cursor. No, I want that elevator key, not that one, not that one. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Now you've closed the door again. What are you doing? Stop Folks, doing what I don't want you to do. If you do buy the Switch version, adjust down the cursor speed to a three. <laughs> Trust me on this. Thank yourself later. Especially when you get to the puzzle with the keyboard. Oh. oh. That one I can see being a massive stumbling block for people, especially those who can't carry a tune. Mm. Oh, yeah, the piano one? Yes. Okay. Getting back to, uh, to the game's point in, in history as one of the earliest CD-ROM games, the most obvious and direct comparison that we can make to it is to uh, Virgin Interactive's Seventh Guest, mm-hmm. which, which, <laughs> I play is, <laughs> too. which is similar, but but really takes a different approach. Uh, Seventh Guest's puzzles and its atmosphere can exist independently of each other. You know, you know these the stuff you see in Seventh Guest could be any generic puzzle the sort of game you could find on a mobile app these days mist's puzzles are really integrated very well into its environment so that you really can't separate one from the other which i which i think is a very impressive feat of uh, of of world building that also yeah, shows like the you- amount of go ahead I was just gonna say, Mist is like has so much more lore than Seventh Guest ever would. So, yeah, and better acting. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, they look. I mean, looking at just kind of how the graphics and everything were, you can tell this that Mist was a labor of love. Like these people, the people who developed it, worked on it. Like they really kind of put their heart into this game, where they wanted to do it right. And I think when you can, when you have a per- when you have developers that really put amount of care in making sure that every piece of that game is interwoven, I mean, players players respond to that. They mm. enjoy that. Like I can tell when a game has been thrown together. You could tell when a game's just been thrown together, and then when a game is like, no, we're taking our time with this to make this right. And it's kind of it's kind of cool when you have games like that, where they do, you know, and and it comes across. I mean, this this game was a commercial success, success, and so was its follow up, uh, Riven. From what I'm seeing, like they yeah, Riven sold a lot of copies. Yeah, they um they really did a good job with Riven too. I played that as well. Um, 
three and four sadly were made by Ubisoft. So they didn't really get the license to them until recently, actually. And, um, yeah. but then they came back to make the fifth one, but sadly they changed to 3d for the fifth one. So it wasn't really that great. Like they got rid of the, the, the live, the, the motion action and, um, and the green screen stuff. So it wasn't that great, honestly. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Mist and Riven were just mind blowing to people back when I really, really wanted to play Riven as a kid, but my dad would never buy it on my Christmas list. Mm. I just did this past summer for the first time. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think, I think we've all been there. Um, when we've had something on our list and we're like, our parents are like, no, <laughs> like, no, <laughs> she's like, come on. Fortunately for my folks, my tastes still remain kind of kid. Like I remember being a senior in high school asking for the first Pokemon game. <laughs> I know several people who were seen who, you know, who were senior in high schools asking for all of their Pokemon games. So, I mean, I, I don't, Pokemon is one of those game series that, well, I don't think will ever fully fall out of style regardless of your age, just because there's such an appeal to it. And I mean, for adults, we're like, oh, we want, we want big, tough games. Yeah. And I can still, you know, but we still go back to those fun childlike games because you don't have to think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's but funny though, because. Speaking uh, of that too, like, um the two brothers they made they made kids games before they made mist mm-hmm. so they they really wanted to make a a point and click that was more for adults so yeah the had, like, brothers the actually, uh, did were indeed like you said they were into kid games and when they were proposing what would eventually become mist to activision they were told by activision execs at the time you should stick to making kids games yeah <laughs> which i think that may be, I think we may have identified the exact point where Activision became evil. <laughs> yeah. I'm still working on Electronic Arts, though. Oh, EA, yeah. yeah good luck with that one. Um, but I think that but I, I think that also had them also go, I mean, being told that, like, stick, I think that's what really, in many ways, well, Activision, we could consider them evil in that case, but they also spurred them to go, nope, we can do this. And so while maybe being evil, they, they still probably gave them the challenge they needed to just go forward and just, you know, and just do this. Um, Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it gave them the, I mean, it got them to make their own, I, in many ways to make their own gaming company. Mm Mm-hmm. Because um, the game that they first had out before Mist was something called the Manhole. Yeah, and that was a kid. That was a kids game. Um, I was just I clicked on it, and it's, the premise is the player opens a manhole and reveals a giant beanstalk, leading to fantastic worlds. <laughs> That's the what plot a coincidence! What a wonderful coincidence that is, because my niece Mackenzie just drew a grew a giant beanstalk in Minecraft like not long ago. <laughs> But, There's also um, a beanstalk theme in Rakuen, that game I played for Extra Life. Okay. Oh, nice. Traveling to other worlds and stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a really cute children's trope. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, how many of us have grown up with the story of Jack and the Beanstalk? Yeah. 
Hopefully there are no um, uh, giants waiting to eat you at the end of these, but... <laughs> so, yeah. so here's my big question about Mist. And Zelda, I'm hoping you can help me out with this. Uh, these, <laughs> these books that... Yeah that Atris and the others write to connect to these other worlds and these civilizations and places are, do these places already exist before they write about them? Or are they willing these places to life with their writing? I'm pretty sure they will the places to life with their writing. The issue is some of these places have inhabitants that end up there. And, um, the problem with Atris's father, Gen, he was kind of like, you know, a conqueror. In his mind, he's like, I don't care about these people that are in my world. I wrote it. I willed it to life. So they can die and go to war. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and um, that's that kind of obviously put Atris off. And he's like, I'm not going to be like that. But he ended up kind of being like that and... Sadly, then it went even worse with his sons. So it, it just, it, it's just the, there's some tropes that follow through the family bloodlines. And Atris is not innocent in, at all. Like a lot of his actions ended up making his sons become crazy too. But it's a whole mess, honestly. And that's why they made the novels too, because you get to see. Uh, well, at least in the first one that I read, you get to see Gen starting to make places like Riven and stuff and and act like that. And Atris is a child and he's seeing this like, what the heck is wrong with you? And um, because when you play Riven, there is a point where you get trapped by Gen and he like it, it's better to have that that knowledge from the book meeting him for the first time. You know how an asshole he is and it makes you determined to get out of there and save Catherine and everything. Catherine. It just says Catherine's name wrong. It actually is Catherine. It's just easier for him, for his mind, to say Catherine. <laughs> Apparently it's easier for Wikipedia's mind, too, because that's yes. how it's there. <laughs> yeah. But in a lot of this, it reminds me of um, the um, grip, uh, sorry, Greek mythology with... Cronus and Uranus and Zeus and how each son, you know, becomes crazy and power hungry to the point where they, they go after their dad. Like the son goes after the father because they're like, oh, he's insane, takes out the father and then they become insane. It's kind of like yeah, that. Literally. Yeah, it's like <laughs> literally that mythology there, um, even with Zeus. You know, for as much as Zeus is probably the sanest out of all of them, he wasn't exactly, you know, no, no, no innocent bystander, great savior either. Um, but I mean, it seems like they took a little bit of myth of, of Greek mythology in it um, with the two sons. Like I see a lot of um, kind of a lot of parallels with the gods of war, you know, mm -hmm. um, Athena, who was the more um, methodical one, and Ares, who was the more destructive, blew things up, gore, 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 gore kind of one. So you had one that 
you know, like Cirrus is probably the more manipulative one. Where he's the one who's like, I'm normal. Trust me. Look. See how he's <laughs> raving mad? You know, I'm not like that. Because, um, I mean, if you think about it, like, Cirrus really is probably out of the two, the greater evil. Mm-hmm. Like, you know where where um, Aknar is coming from. He doesn't hide it. He tells you straight up he's out to kill everybody. Where Cirrus yeah. is like, oh, no, I'm not like that. You know, don't pay no attention to... You know, to the nuclear missile I'm currently working on, I won't. I'm not like that at all. Because isn't I think from what I'm reading, it seems like there was a point where they have a where um, Atris and his wife have a daughter, Yisha, and Cirrus yep. goes mm-hmm. after Yisha to possess yeah. her. I was just about to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> so. I walked into a puzzle game and I got a, a demented episode of Days of Our Lives. Literally, it is a soap opera, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this is a game that, yeah, you would not be able to contain all this in, in one or two games. This this was definitely enough lore that, I mean, they could probably keep making games if they wanted to, to explore this even <laughs> They actually, they, they made a game called Abduction. Like it came out in twenty fifteen ish. Um, it's it's mist like, but they decided to not make it related to mist. And uh. then they're working on a game called Firmament right now that I think is also separate. Um, but they they did just announce of uh, the VR version of HD Mist. So I mm-hmm. I am waiting for the non HD version of it. I mean, sorry, the non VR version of it because I do want to play it in HD. It sounds like they redid the acting and the the voice acting and stuff too so and the music oh Oh, nice! so that's what i'm excited about because everyone's like there's so many people that come in my twitch chat and are like i can't believe they're remaking this for like a 10th time but but i'm like but this time it's like the best time (laughs) it's gonna be like so cool it's not gonna be all clunky and like old looking anymore (laughs) yeah it's going to be, and it's interesting, like some of the, they got some really good musicians to work on the the music, like reading, mm-hmm. reading the people who were doing the sound design and the music, like they got Peter Gabriel to provide a song. For the fourth one. Yeah. And, and, to, and to do voice work for it. Like. Yeah. You know, and what's his face? The guy that plays the bad guy in three. Uh, what was his name? Oh, um. He's like a famous guy. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. And Jack Wall did that music. That's why the third game has such good music too. Yeah, and then Tim Larkin did it for um, five and beyond and um, ages beyond mist. Um, Uru's age beyond mist, and I mean Uru, yeah. I mean, and he's an amazing. Um, Was that Brad Dourif? Savidro? Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, he's in like a bunch of stuff. Yeah, but looks, looks like best known for uh, for a supporting role in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> Which makes him sound like he would fit right in. Yeah, especially with this one. And he did it because apparently he was a fan of this too. Like, he, yes. And he said it was harder than working on movie sets because he couldn't see who he was talking to. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's all green screen. He was honestly terrified. I never played 3, 4, and 5, but I've watched them. And he's really terrifying in 3. And there's so many weird endings where, like, he could just literally kill you. Mm-hmm. Like, they changed um, that kind of dynamic with the third one. Interesting. Yeah, there's actually someone that is after you, yeah. So it's really creepy. So is there anything else we wanted to touch on with this game or the, or the series as a whole? I just, it's just, I, yeah, I mean, hearing what I'm hearing and what I've seen both on YouTube and, and just the research I did into this game, I can honestly see why this game was such a hit just with adults in general. Um, actually one of my friends we were talking about, he was telling me how his friend's dad, who was a librarian and then went into, and then on his off time, he would do, um, woodworking. But when Miss came out, he stopped doing woodworking just to play (laughs) Miss on his off time. And (laughs) he spent hours and hours and hours into this game. And I was like, did he ever beat it? He's like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) like he's like i don't know if you did or not um but i found this interesting too looking at the voice acting like like they had david ogden steers play do the voice of escher and it looks like in the 15 and oh yeah there is and, another yeah the, yeah i mean that but. yeah and it's just like oh my god like david ogden steers like he's like that's MASH. Like he was Winchester on MASH, and he was Cogsworth in the original Beauty and the Beast movie. I mean, he did, and he's just been all types of stuff. Like, dang, like that's that's almost A list celebrity to have doing it. It wasn't like a B list or you know someone who did supporting roles. Like this was someone who did even like main roles for a long time. And I, I and disclaimer, I am a huge MASH fan. <laughs> like huge but yeah i mean just the just the amount of talent that went into this into this game like i mean people could sit there and be like oh my god they're remaking it again but it's a work in progress you can always add more to this game like you can always yeah. make things better so it's i'm really like psyched up now to like play it like i'm when i get off and get my computer up and running and and i'm gonna actually like download this and then i'll probably be playing this (laughs) i think i can add this to like the you know the games that you discover late in life and you're still mad about it because you didn't know about it when you were younger like i might add yeah like i'm still mad which we will be doing in two weeks yes right on this very podcast Mm -hmm. yeah it's like i mean this is definitely a game that for someone who hasn't played and just hearing all the memories that people have of playing it, I'm like, like, dude, go out and play this any way you can. Like, it seems like it's, it's such a good game. And it's, I like the fact that you can take your, it sounds like you can just take your time with it too. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And if for whatever reason you can't get it running on your computer, though, I, I imagine you'll be able to, I, I can, would happily loan you my switch copy. Uh, well, you know what? If I don't get it to work on my computer, then I will most likely be like, James, where's that copy? Yeah. <laughs> and you've got not one, but two people here who can act as your hint line if Yay. you don't want to use the guide. 
I have no pride. Sorry for volunteering you, Zelda, but... <laughs> I have no pride. I will use a hint guide. I am not against using a walkthrough on a game. Yeah, I I mean, I've been using a guide for all the Gabriel Knight games that at home, I could not get through the third one. That was so stupid. <laughs> That's what happens when old games go 3D after being so well done in 2D. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's like if it's not broke, don't fix it type of thing. Like, yeah, there was a couple of games where they're like, we're going 3D. I'm like, why? So, it's just like Mist 5 too Mist 5 changing to to 3D instead of the like the full, the acting in front of the green screen was so cool like that's what you know gets you in that's what a lot of people got into the series for it was that that kind of dynamic was so cool and to get rid of that it's just a whole different feeling yeah well hopefully someday they'll remake 5 into a similar vein as the other ones, you know, just, to, yeah. just to do that. Just so, cause I think, I think that's a common theme that people had issues with five was like, it deviated too much from the formula. It was like, you took away the thing that worked and you put it into mm-hmm. something that doesn't work. Like you didn't have to mess with that part. That part was fine. <laughs> Here's the other thing yeah. which it affects. <laughs> And that actually brings me to something about the jump from mist to real mist, going from the 2D quote-unquote slideshow presentation the original game had to a fully realized 3D world. Mm-hmm. When that jump both made the game look actually pretty impressive still, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it also kind of revealed how small the game's worlds were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I could, because just free roaming, walking from off the island, I could get from one end to the other in a quarter of a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of having those, the the, the slow picture slideshow, right. yeah. It's the same in the Zero Escape series. Like, it is weird how, because they did the same thing where it was like, the first game is 999, and it is pictures like that when you when you're trying to escape the room you can only go left, right, top, down with pictures. And then in the second game, Virtue's Last Reward, they changed it to 3D. And it is jarring, but it also, it does make it, make the room seem smaller in that sense too. Because like you said, you just, you could just walk over really easily. There's people yelling outside. I'm so sorry if my mic is picking that up. That's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we had, my, yeah. I'm one of ours. We had my dog snoring. <laughs> Oh, we love Oscar. I was like, what is that? <laughs> now, one quick question, since I'm thinking of it, before we go to our usual end of episode uh, routine. Uh, I'm at the top of the subject. I mentioned uh, Day of the Tentacle, which you recently just played for the first time, Zelda. I did, yes. How did you like it? It was cute. I really liked the the um, whimsical stuff, of the whimsical nature of it. And uh, I honestly do kind of want to try out Maniac Mansion now because of it. So I feel like I'm... It's a slightly different game. Yeah. It looks really cool, though. Like, it it looks like... um, Like, I I wouldn't be able to play it without a a guide. It kind of looks like the dynamic in Undertale, which I also couldn't play it by myself. I had to watch somebody else play it because it, it looks like there's so many choices you could you could take to talk to or yeah, there's so, fight an enemy. Yeah. With, um, with Maniac Mansion, 
because I have I played it because that's actually one of the games I played when I was younger too. Totally didn't understand, and when you were just tired of it, you could just blow up the mansion and just be done with it. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, they're actually what I liked about Maniac Mansion because it's a little bit more along lines of mist as well. Is depending on who you pick in your party depends on what you can and cannot do in the game because because oh. each, each character has their has their um, strengths and weaknesses. So you would try, you would, and they actually, um, and they would tell you, okay, if you have these three characters, here's the route you want to take to beat the bad guy without killing. Oh, anybody. okay. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, Until Dawn is like that too. Yeah, Until Dawn bit. is basically like modern version of Maniac Mansion. Well, actually, you know what's I that if um if anyone out if this is off topic, so I got another hash you know hash mark on my thing. But um, <laughs> if they're, the game that's the closest to actual Maniac Mansion in that regard is Thimblewood. Uh, Thim, it's um oh Thimblewood Park. Yeah, Thimblewood Park. Yeah, my friend that, was talking about that. I'm meaning to play that. Oh my god! If you like LucasArts, old LucasArts games like Day of the Tentacle, Maniac Mansion, Monkey Island. Monkey Island, yeah. That game is right. It's it's such an homage to them and. The two main characters from Maniac Mansion are actually in the game. Um, Mike and Sandy, the boyfriend and the guy, you know, the boyfriend and girlfriend, the girl who got kidnapped and the boyfriend who saved her, they're actually in this game. Okay. As background, as uh, some background characters you can talk to, but it's kind of a nice little like tipping of of the hat to yeah. to Maniac Mansion, which I thought was cool. And if you do pick up Maniac Mansion in the future, Zelda, the op. The, the considered to be the easy uh, the beginner's pairing of characters to use would be Bernard and Razor. Okay. Oh, only two? I thought it was three. You, you, get, three. you, get, you always get Dave. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you always get Dave. That's who it is. It's Dave. Dave is the boyfriend. Um, but yeah, mm. it's Bernard and um, and um, Razor. Yeah. yeah, she knows Bernard. I definitely know Bernard. Everyone <laughs> knows Bernard, like he was like the breakout hit of that game. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them. There's, um, there's. I mean, going online, um, there is. It's. I think it's. There is a Maniac Mansion website, kind of like in the same vein of Zelda Dungeon and Starman mm. Net, where it's just all about Maniac Mansion and Day of the Tentacle all the time. <laughs> and Starman Net still exists. Yeah, they're still up and running, man. Holy crap. <laughs> I was very, like, that was kind of surprising to me, too, when I got back into um, Earthbound, and I'm like, all right, I need help. And it's like, holy crap, you guys are still going? That's awesome. <laughs> it's like Chrono Compendium, too. Chrono Compendium still exists, too. I only know that because I work with the Knicks cast on their Chrono Trigger charity stream every year. And I'm like, Aww. what the heck? And they know the person who still runs it. Oh, I'm wow. Like, this is so weird. Like all my '90s computer, like internet browsing, like that was all I was on was Starman Net, Rowdy Roughnet, <laughs> Chrono Compendium. If and when we do an Earthbound episode, you two are going to have a lot to talk about. Oh, I'd love oh. to be on an Earthbound episode. Oh I've also recently watched. Me and Raph's old roommate um, play Mother Three this past year too. Oh yeah. So I have, good. I have that. I'm currently doing uh, 
Mother One, also known as Earthbound Beginnings. And then mm-hmm. I'm doing Earthbound, and then that's next on my list is to do Earthbound 2 or Mother 3. So, my God. Nice. Well, this seems like the appropriate moment to take a short break. When we return, we will have Today in Video Game History for December 31st, and we will get things all nicely tied up and finish this chapter. journeys once again and now it is time for today in video game history uh, and i got a, another doozy another one of those seminal cd-rom games from early on in the format's lifespan but not quite as early as mist and the other games we were talking about today on december 31st of 1996 blizzard entertainment unleashed the first diablo <laughs> and Pointing and clicking at things repeatedly would never be the same. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, nope. I remember finding a parody a game of that where it was like, click more, click more. I've not seen such clicking. This monster <laughs> is the same as the last 400 you face, but it's purple. Keep clicking. And that was the whole gag of the game. I didn't really know too much about Diablo until I met my boyfriend because he play- he I don't really think he plays it that much anymore, but he did play three a lot like last year or something. Mm. I don't whenever it came out, and all yeah, all I would hear is the clicking. I'm like, what are you doing? Someone was explaining it to me, and and as they were telling me about it, part of me sitting there and I'm and I'm get the scene in from Spaceballs where it's like keep clicking. <laughs> and I'm like, because it's always explained to me. That's like my only thought was like, wow. I'm like, I can just see like Rick Moran is just going, keep clicking. Like, <laughs> Thank you for keeping it PG, Chrissy. I know. I try. I will eventually. I will eventually <laughs> not need to put ch- change in the in the in the swear jar eventually. Eventually. Oh gosh, mine would be so full. <laughs> yeah. yeah I- I I actually forgot to mention to keep it PG at before we started recording, <laughs> but you, you you haven't aired once, so I, 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 said I, <laughs> I got them all in in the Zelda episode. What can I say? <laughs> so let me just quickly see. Oh, there is another thing that uh, would actually be relevant uh, to our guest that came out on on this day on um, in. Although actually, it looks like it only—it wasn't the international launch. It w- this was just a, a regional launch for them. But the Four Swords Adventure of Leg- edition of Legend of mm. Zelda series came out in Spain and Italy today. Oh, pals regions! Oh, pals regions! Yes, <laughs> pal is it? You, you, I feel bad for people in the in in Europe because. Because when it comes to getting games from America and Japan, because the developers look at that tangle of languages and 
electronic standards and everything and it it's probably it's probably more confusing than trying to do mist blindfolded yeah. <laughs> um i don't feel so bad for them because they got terra enigma and we didn't and Terra Enigma <laughs> is oh. an amazing game, and I've only played a few hours of it, but it was so much fun. I want to yeah. play it again. Yeah, they they got it, and we didn't. So I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give them a. Uh, they got a <laughs> lot of games that we didn't get that are awesome games. So I'm my 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 feelings towards them are like no, there's it's a fifty fifty. They got a lot of good games that we didn't. And we got a lot of good games that they didn't. Okay, that's fair. Well, I suppose that's just about it for this episode then. Uh, Zelda, why don't you tell the good folks listening where they can find you? You can find me at SM Zelda Rules on basically everything. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch are the main ones. <laughs> Especially Twitch. Yes. It is a fun time watching you stream Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> uh, except when you're dying. Oh, yes. Haven't got a game over yet, though. Oh, good. But I probably okay. jinxed myself. But yes, uh, Zelda, thank you so much for joining us. I say this to all our guests, but, I, but that's only because I mean it. You are always welcome at our table. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Thank you. Especially, for as for myself, you, you can find us, of course, on Facebook at Joystick Journeys. And so far, our podcast just this last week finally reached Google. So our reach just ever so much more. At, at the time of recording, we are still pending approval by Apple. But hopefully that'll be up by the time this episode is published. But you know, like I said, you if you don't, if you can also find us at any just about anywhere where Flower City Comic Con is on social media. We're usually not far behind there. In fact, you can find me every Monday night when we broadcast Nerd World News, except for this week because I think we're still on break. Yeah, I think I think Chris still has has you guys on hold um, until after the new year. So. And speaking of on hold, uh, New Year's weekend, we ourselves are going to be taking a break, but we will be back with a vengeance with a, with a variety of podcast ideas. Like like I alluded to earlier, we're going to be talking about the games Christy and I did, dis, rediscovered and found ourselves enjoying later in our lives that we didn't much give a thought to when we were kids. And we're still mad and about then, that. Yeah. <laughs> And then the following two weeks after that, we're going to be talking some Dungeons and Dragons with uh, a bunch of our friends from the Flower City Comic Con Circle one week. And the next week, we are we have yet to confirm her, but we are hoping to get another guest from the greater cosplay community on here. So stay tuned for who later on. Yeah. So just so you guys know, after the week, after, so the week that we'll be starting with the D&D, if you ever wanted to be a GM or Game Master, or Dungeon Master, whatever they call them. Send in your questions, because we will actually ask the people who we have on on that show are actually Dungeon and Game Masters that have a couple of years' experience behind them. And we'll try to get or more. them. Or more. And we will try to get them to talk about what it takes to be a good Dungeon Master, Game Master, and some tips that you guys who are starting out can use. So send us your questions. <laughs> 
And the fall and the week after that, we'll be looking at Dungeons and Dragons from the player character side of things, talking about the classes, the races, and and the and the assorted mechanics, and the inevitability of derailing the the dungeon master's plans, and maybe some tips and tricks on how to do that, especially the last part. <laughs> I always play a stabby, stabby, sneaky, sneaky. So. <laughs> Right. And I, that does it for this week on Joystick Journeys. On behalf of SMZL Rules and Chrissy Harding, my name is James Irish. And until next time, we close the book. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>